she escaped a revolution only to help forge a new one. Only this one is very different. Shermin Cruz is fighting for inclusion and incorporating a broader field of ideas that will fundamentally redefine leadership for the 21st century. Cruz says COVID and massive civil rights protests underscore the need for new leadership. A corporate lawyer turned activist, strategist, entrepreneur, TED Talk speaker, TED Talk producer, Cruz helps us reimagine the politics of what actually makes sense. This is her story. Welcome to Sippin' On Stories, where we take you into the lives of diverse and unique change makers who turn anxiety, fear, and passion into powerful recipes for success. Good stories build insightful connections, but great stories. Now, that's something special. Today's story is one of those stories. Hi, my name is Rose McInerney. Welcome back to Sipping on Stories. I am your host here. Before we get started and sip on a little leadership today, I would like to do a quick shout out to Womanscape. They are a living library of people making history. Uh, they do it with fearless change. So big shout out to our sponsor as well. I hope that you are going to take a minute and hit that subscribe button. If you can, give us a five-star rating so we attract other people to come back to the site and listen to these really fascinating stories from people from around the world. Remember that when you go to our sippingonstories.com website, you'll have a chance to see just extra bonus features. You can subscribe to our newsletter and as well, there's, you know, there could be a little swag up there for you. So, without any further ado, let's get into today's feature. Shermin Cruz, always when we invite people into the lounge, I should say that I ask our guests like Shermin, what is it that you like to sip on? And then that way I can do a little sipping with them as we hear about their story. So I love Shermin's answer today. She said, I love tea. So of course the, the bell went off a little bit and I said, well, what kind of tea do you drink? And she said, well, do you mean the kind with or without alcohol. So of course, she loves tea that is Persian tea. And when you hear about Shermin's story, you'll understand why. Um, she loves a beautiful, rich black tea that's infused with a little rose water or lavender, something with a little floral that makes you feel good and is smooth and healthy, of course. But of course, she also has a little pension on the side for tequila or tequila as we call it. She loves it straight with a little slice of lemon on the side. Um, and I love that too. It shows you that at different times in life we can, you know, sip on something relaxing and other times we need something, a story, perhaps it's a little more powerful or packs a little punch. So, and you're going to see that today when you meet Charmaine. She definitely epitomizes both sides of tea. So, uh, Grab that tea of choice. Shermin is a really interesting woman. She is a TED Talk speaker. She's an author. She's an entrepreneur. She's 20 years plus a lawyer who actually teaches leadership. Um, so um, you're going to find this, this story incredibly fascinating. Um, she's an activist, uh, practitioner, and she's got a new business called My Reality Cubed. So without any further ado, I want to welcome Shermin Cruz into our Sipping on Story Lounge today. We are rolling. All right, great. 
I am so honored to welcome you into the Sipping on Stories Lounge. Charmaine Cruz, welcome. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be with you. Oh, thank you. Thank you for being here and spending a little bit of time and sharing your story with us. Uh, I We have so much to talk about today, but as you know, we always start sipping on a little something with our audience at the same time. So uh, I've got a cup of my best effort at Persian tea here, because I know that in speaking beforehand, we talked about what you'd like to sip on, and tea was something that was super comforting and healthy and relaxing for you. Did I get it right by saying essentially it's black tea, and it's got an infusion perhaps of rose petals, some lavender, something that softens it, right? Yes, it's a little bit softer than Darjeeling. In that way, it's rather close to an Earl Grey tea, but with a richer, deeper, more red color and flavor. Oh, beautiful. Earthy. Earthy. Okay, I like that. Well, on that note, let's jump into something super earthy. So we are sipping on leadership, and I'm calling it a revolutionary type of leadership. Your story, Butterfly Stitchings, is really about that, isn't it? It's you running from a revolution. Can we start there? Can we start with the beginnings of of leadership here? Sure, absolutely. Wow, that's a really deep and and rich way to get into it. I love that. Thank you, good. So yes, I was born in Iran. I lived there until I was 11. I, and I'm going to take myself here, but I was born in 77. So I basically grew up in the years immediately following the Islamic Revolution and amidst the Iran-Iraq War, which was an extremely bloody war. So in those first few years of the Iranian Revolution, there was mass executions within Iran itself. So there was hundreds of thousands of people that were killed through and because of the revolution, for a variety of reasons I'm happy to elaborate on at, at a different time, perhaps. And, and then during the Iran-Iraq war, there was about a million people, a million civilians that, that were killed. And there was a lot of rocket attacks directly into the capital, which is where I was living at the time. So in 88, the year I left, there was six rocket attacks into the city a day, up to up to six rocket attacks a day into the city. So we, uh, you know, we didn't have school in fourth and fifth grade. So in some ways, it, it, this pandemic and this kind of being forced indoors and having everything be closed and shortages, I have a lot of experience with it. And in fact, what we're seeing here, of course, in America is not anything as bad as what some of the third world countries are experiencing right now. Um, and also what we experienced in the, in the height of the war in Iran, post-revolution, et cetera. However, mm-hmm. the feeling is, is familiar in a lot of ways. And yes, I, I do think that in many ways that formed who I was. I think that when you have experiences like that in your childhood and you have the opportunities which which I have had, I've been privileged to have the opportunity to immigrate to the West, the opportunity to receive an incredible education in the West, Uh, lots of student loans, but you know, that's all right. (laughs) Par for the course with many of us. Of course. Yes. But I've had a lot of those opportunities. And and when you, when you find yourself there, I think you can choose, you know, do you, what do you do with this life of yours? And what do you're here once? And what do you do with it? Mm-hmm. And what kind of imprint do you leave? And who tells your story? And what story do they tell? Right. And so a lot of that, 
a lot of what I've built my character and integrity and life around is also what I discuss with the CEOs and executives yes. with whom I work. Yes, whether it's in strategic consulting or tactical empathy training or just plain leadership training. Wow. Okay. So... I think that anyone would agree when you're when you're born into something and as a young child, particularly at that age, it's so impressionable. And I look at where you are now with um, a new business that you've created, um, with the leadership steps that you've taken in your life to bring you to this moment where what you just voiced on leadership in a COVID world means that you're coming from an experience that was far greater, truly, when we look at that moment of life and death. And I know we're experiencing death here and around the world. We've lost over 700,000 lives. Um, You know, people impacted were on lockdown and you have that experience as a child with lockdown. But I think it's a wonderful segue um, into looking at conflict and what it is about leadership thought and how we lead uh, that we're going to need going forward in the world. Because I want people to truly understand that you've harnessed pain, you've harnessed an experience that many of us are going to connect with right now, but you've turned it into something magnificent. You really have. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. So it's interesting because there are times that test our character yeah. and in life and around the world. And there are events that test our integrity. And the reality is that it's extremely challenging to lead in thriving and positive and optimistic conditions determine appropriate growth and equity and inclusion within that growth and innovating in the right direction and planning down the road and all of that. But the the challenges that are involved with that are fundamentally different than the challenges involved in leading and guiding yourself, your business, your industry, and your family and your spirit amidst tragedy and uncertainty, which regardless how you're impacted by this pandemic, Yes. It's still a time of incredible uncertainty, and it's not unprecedented in that sense, right? We have time. We've had times of uncertainty many times in the past. We've had market crashes many right. times in the past. There is, you know, a boiling point here of a sort mm-hmm. that we have rarely seen before in American history. And America is a very, very young, yes. a very young country. True. So there is, I think, in some ways, there's a chance to show ourselves and to prove ourselves in ways that maybe we didn't have before. Yes. So there is opportunity there. Yes, yes. So tell me quickly, um, you know, what's your TED Talk about? How can people find you? Because I think that that's a wonderful backdrop to what we're sharing today on Sipping on Stories. I really do. I think it's perfect. So the TED Talk is literally called How to Change the World. That is the title. And you can just, you know, Google TED, my name, or look it up on the TEDx YouTube uh, website. and. Right punch in my, my name and, and it'll come up. And it's really designed not just for activists, but really for anybody who wants to be engaged in change making. Right. And it's uh, it's actually formed the buds of the tree that has now become my tactical empathy training that I provide and become a tactical empathy specialist these last few years and really sort of honed those skills that I really began developing over a decade ago 
delivered my TED talk about four about four years ago, three years ago, four years ago, something like that. Maybe it was flies. Two years ago. <laughs> yeah, two years ago. It was two years ago. Okay. I don't remember. It was a while ago. Okay. And, and so yeah, so it really starts from there. It's how do we use our knowledge and understanding of the world around us in order to change it and in yes. order to be successful in the change that we want to create, regardless what that change might consist of. And right. a lot of that comes from a place of understanding the other with whom we are negotiating or against whom we are competing. A lot of it comes from that, from a deep place of emotional, moral, and intellectual understanding of where the other comes from. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, so it's complex too, and you break it down in such a, a wonderful way with how you tell the story. And I think that sort of fast forwards us through a law career of 20 plus years. You're now a professor at the University of Northwestern. You are teaching a leadership course there. You have been ingrained as an entrepreneur as well and an activist, a humanitarian. So what are those next leadership points that brought you? Well, those are some of the points, but I want to take us now into your TED Talk production because that for me, it's bringing together what we're all struggling with today and your history, yeah, and your past. Um, Tell us a little bit about what that was all about. Thank you. I feel so strongly about this because I can't tell you the number of conversations I've had with people who have asked me, how does all the time and effort and work that you put into productions help you in your business? And really, I just think it's the wrong question to ask. I have no idea if it helped Mm -hmm. me in my business or not. It is, however, a pivotal component of me and who I am as a human being. What I've started to do the last couple of years is actually produce TEDx events. And that essentially consists of, I have a license from TED Global, I produce the event, I select the speakers, I work with them in crafting the ideas, uh, the scripts, I Ah. use body language coaches and offer my own coaching to fine tune them into the best speaker they can be. I produce their talks and the last event we had we actually were able to film inside Wrigley Field in June. We we were the only thing happening in Wrigley oh, Field. Crazy. Sorry, crazy. You know, I know everyone wanted to see some some baseball, but wow, you hit you hit a home run though. You hit a home run. Thank you. Yeah. For those audience members who might not know, Wrigley Field is an iconic baseball field stadium here in the city of Chicago. It's been around forever, and yes. it's one of the oldest ballparks in America. And we were there with empty stands. We were the first. We had somebody actually performing the Star Spangled Banner as well as taking me out to the ball game. And it was the first time in 2020 anybody had performed the Star Spangled Banner at any ballpark in the United States. And we filmed this event, which was called Humanity, A View from Inside the Pandemic. And the cool thing about a TED event is that it's multidisciplinary. Mm -hmm. We had a speaker talking about the impact of the pandemic on our democracy. We had another speaker talking about the impact of the pandemic on the arts and how the arts are going to survive, how theater is going to survive. We had Mm -hmm. someone who's actually a writer for Saturday Night Live's Weekend Update telling us how to laugh. And when to laugh and when is it okay to laugh during a pandemic? Somebody else talking about food supply chains and why didn't we have toilet paper back in March? And can you explain all this? We were able to present this event that was obviously, you know, viewed virtually by audiences because of COVID. And it was streamed by audiences in 40 different countries and 596 cities, which I think is a global 
had record. Uh, yes. <laughs> and I'm excited wow. to announce that we are putting on another event. Like, yes, normally you only get one license a year, but Ted Global gave us permission to do two events this year. Okay. And we decided very last minute to do an event on leadership in October just before the election. Wow. Before the election? Right before the election. So six weeks, basically. We're going going on stage. Oh my God. Okay. So I know you're probably sworn to keeping the lid on it, but is there anything you can, it's about leadership. Is there any little teaser we can share or it's just leadership and we're going to have to wait? Well, (laughs) not everything is confirmed yet, but I will say I'm really, really excited to be talking about, to be putting on speakers. They're not all selected yet, actually. We still have two open spots. We're only filling five spots, so it's it's our smallest event yet. Very, very exclusive lineup of speakers. But we're very excited to put people on from various industries who have truly demonstrated transformative transformative abilities during this time. And really what we want to do more than anything, and it's not necessarily that we want to put politicians on our stage. We actually try really hard not to put politicians on our stage. But we want to inspire people to be engaged right before it's time to vote. And, you know, at the end of the day, 100%, what we need to be doing right now is working to further and advance the functionality of our democracy, regardless of what side of the political spectrum we're on. We need to vote and we need young people to get out there and vote. And we need to empower people to become page agents in their own lives, but also in their democracy, in their country, because no matter how flawed it is, you live here and you get to have a say. Trust me, I come from Iran. Yes. Very different. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's so many imperfections here. You know, roll up your sleeves and go to work. And so yeah, love it. this is what we're really excited about showcasing. Okay. I love this. I love this. So you heard it here at Sipping on Stories, a little sneak preview. I feel really good saying that. Um, and I think it it takes us into the topic of great leaders. Um, and what we can, you know, what do you hope as we're, you're studying leadership, you're teaching it, um, you're seeing the effects of leadership under stress, duress, um, with COVID here. I think, um, you've got something super special that started around, um, you know, my reality cubed and your business of coaching, uh, in this time of COVID and in this time of racial, you know, uber-sized is my new word, racial tensions. Um, can you speak to that a little bit um, in, in what you're doing today, you know, and what's so different? Tell me what's so different. What, why is it that these two things are pivotal in uh, a wake-up call for us as leaders and creating good leadership? Yes. Well, first of all, going back to your comment about learning and teaching, I think it's so important to recognize that, that that even those of us who are specialists and experts, we're constantly learning, we're constantly growing. And if, if you're working with anybody, a consultant who tells you they, they already know everything they need to know, the first thing that I would do is fire them because <laughs> it's just, it's not true. True. So, so yes, we are, I do think we are in unprecedented times here. There, the nation is really at the precipice of failure, but it's also at the precipice of reinvention. And I think that that can be really extraordinary. Mm-hmm. I'll talk, for instance, this, it's a very large topic, so I'll just, I'll just sort of narrow it down sure. to one small issue, which is not small at all, 
to me at least, and I think to, to most people, and that is the, the subject of feminism and women in the workplace. Sure. One thing to think about is how long it took for women to achieve what we've achieved in the workplace. The fact that we are still not on par in terms of pay, in terms of advancement, in terms of promotion with men. And then what's been the impact of the pandemic and the quarantine measures and the COVID response measures on women's abilities to continue to succeed in the workforce when the reality is that although not universally, but primarily women are the ones who have been the caretakers, right? We're the ones that take care Mm -hmm. of people when they're sick and we're the ones that are taking care of the children who need to be educated because schools are closed. And as as a general matter, it it tends to fall on us and it has this time as well, very much so, largely. Mm -hmm. Again, not to knock all the men out there who are doing the great work. No, Largely it's affected us. And so now what are we going to do? Are we, how are we going to be able to go back? How are we going to get back to normal? we want to get back to normal? What right. does normal look like? How can we redefine normal? And I, mm. in order to expand equity in, in, in as it relates to gender parity, but let's extend from that to racial diversity, inclusion, yes. not just racial inclusion, but economic inclusion. Mm-hmm. How can we reframe the way we think about the world? How can we use this pause and this reset? And by the way, the dominoes, I have not even started yet. The right. evictions are, haven't even started yet. You're right. The homelessness and joblessness and the long-term impacts of that, we are just now starting to see the beginnings of the impacts of that. Mm-hmm. So the reality is it, it is going to get a lot worse for a lot of people. The wealth gap is going to advance. Yes. But at the same time, we have the opportunity to radically reframe the way we work, yes. the way we teach, and the way we administer healthcare. I mean, yeah. think of those just those three things, right? Yeah. The way we work, the way we teach, and the way we administer healthcare, we can radically transform it, and everybody will go along with that radical transformation because yeah. of COVID. It sounds good, but how? Like, honestly, this is, you're right. It's huge. The opportunity is huge. How do you know where to begin? How do we do this? Yes. Well, I think a large component of that, obviously, is going to be, it depends on the industry. So let's talk about, we can talk about, for instance, the education industry. Mm -hmm. In education, one of the things that we've learned as a result of COVID, and, and in fact, with this one, we're already most of the way there, is the necessity for Wi-Fi infrastructure in our country as a civil rights issue. You're right. Yeah, this is something that that a lot of us, myself included, a lot of activists have been talking about for years, Mm -hmm. that that infrastructure isn't just roads and hospitals anymore, it's Wi-Fi. And this is the reality. You can call every economically disadvantaged student in your class to see who needs a Chromebook, but if they don't have Wi-Fi, then it's useless, right? So that's just one example, though, Rose, of, I mean, I could sit here literally for 20 hours and just talk to you just about education. Right. But this is just one example of something that we've learned and that we've immediately shifted gears towards implementing. Mm -hmm. I think personally that it is remarkable that in a year or two, we might have universal high-speed Wi-Fi available for free throughout the United States of America as an infrastructure development issue. It will significantly advance educational capabilities as well as healthcare access, as well as the way we work. It will open up all of those possibilities. And it's just 
one thing. Now it's a big thing, right? You have to build a lot of towers and you have to do sure. But it's not sure. that hard. I mean, we know how to do this. It's not that hard. It's not that expensive. And no. <laughs> it's a lot less expensive than building roads and putting in phone lines. Well, you're you're right in the domino effect if we want to look at the economic gap and what we're investing in. So we invest in in wire and infrastructure, fiber optics, however it's done. And then we look at that equal access if we call, because education, let's face it, you're right. When you said the word industry, I thought, God, it's a human right. It's a human right. And we know that there's been such a disparity from state to state, within states, and then within towns and cities who has access to your point with something like Wi-Fi, let alone really great teaching, you know? And the fact that we're online, how are we coordinating this? This is a really inexpensive way to bridge the gap, isn't it? It's, it's one yeah. thing. It's yeah. one thing, but it is actually a very big thing. It is. And the long-term implications of radically rethinking what infrastructure means right. can be huge for achievements yeah. of parity and equity down the road. Right. And so, so this is just, you know, we, we don't have a lot of time on the yes. podcast, but, yes. but this is just, you, you asked how, so this is, this is one right. thing this and literally right. anybody can get involved with this. You know, any yes. of your, any of the corporate CEOs or professionals watching this right now could go to their alderman, could go to their city council, could go to their mayor, could go to their governor and say, what can I do to help pitch in for free Wi-Fi access in our low-income communities? All government right. leaders at the local, state and national level could and should right now be looking into this. There should be a goal set that within X period of time, every person in America will have free access. And by the way, that'll also give them free access to telephone calls, the ability to do telehealth visits, which are significantly less expensive and therefore might make healthcare access significantly higher. Work from home because now they have, I mean, I'm not saying everybody will be able to work from home. Certainly the grocery store clerk won't be able to. But at no. least you now have the infrastructure. It's literally like having the road to drive your car to yes. work. You didn't yes. have the road before. Now you have the road. That's one last thing. Right. I, I love this. So this is, you know, and I know to your point, I mean, I don't think we can go down the road any any harder with this. You and I could be sipping our, our beautiful Persian tea for a very long time. But, you know, there is wisdom in these tea leaves here that 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 you're truly blooming. Um, you know, incredible advice on on leadership here. And and maybe, you know, as we as we start to wind this, um, I love that you've you've approached the domino effect of leadership, how it goes from one person and so on and so on, that it goes across industry, it goes across rights. Uh, we have a powerful opportunity here. Um, maybe as we as we wrap, can you just one little kind of magic takeaway for our leaders? Um, if there's something, and we're not talking to politicians, we're talking to people that are in positions of leadership, either managing their grocery store or they are managing a fintech company, whatever, whatever place they are. What is it that leaders, you know, can do in order to harness a little bit? And we'll have links on the sippingonstories.com to Shermeen's work so that you can see that. But what's a takeaway maybe for them if we can broad so i'm giving one nugget it's always going to be curiosity so they did this project at google called project aristotle it's a fascinating project what they did is they looked at all of the google teams that were innovating okay. 
and they tried to figure out there was, you know, team C was always the most innovative one. They created the best product. What okay. is it that makes team C work better than every other team? These are all Google employees. They're all brilliant. They're all, all right. reasonably diverse, right? They all have incredible pedigrees. And uh, and they looked at literally every indicator. They looked at race. They looked at age. They looked at education. They looked at linguistic background, the country, nationality, all of that. There's one thing mm-hmm. that team C's at Google always had in common. Okay. And that, and that is the ability to brainstorm without repercussion ideas that were bad. Great. So radical curiosity, right? And you've heard of it before. There's no such thing as a bad idea. There are tons of bad, bad ideas. ideas. <laughs> Lots of bad ideas. Lots right. of bad ideas. But I will also tell you the majority of good ideas mm-hmm. as a yeah, I don't know. That's not yeah. going to work because of it. Well, maybe we could do this. And, ah, but right. then this. But maybe we could do that. This ability to be incredibly inclusive in who you listen to, where mm-hmm. you draw the idea from, and moving forward with it. It's a, it's a little bit like improv. I don't know if you've ever received improv training, but in improv, the rule is yes and. Anything that the other person on the stage throws at you, you can't pretend uh. They, they talk about a peak and it's improv, right? And so you have to go with the peak, <laughs> even if you know nothing about peaches. So it's always yes and. How do I get to the end? How do I get right. to the next? How do I build on this? How do I advance on this? How do I listen and how do I approach with complete humility and yes. curiosity? So that's your nugget if you want it. All right. I'm loving that, truly. Uh, there are so many more things we could talk about, but. I'm going to encourage people to go ahead and to follow the links on our Sipping on Stories website, um, to reach out to me, uh, to reach out to Shermeen. There'll be links there with questions, any follow-up. And I just truly want to thank you for sharing your wisdom. Thank you and... so much. It's my pleasure to be here with you, Rose. Honestly, uh, I'm oh. such, a, as you know, an incredible fan of all of your work, your thank magazine, you. as well as the podcast thank and everything you. in between. I'm a huge fan. And I, I watch all of them, and I Thank have you. become an avid follower of Womanscape on, on Instagram as well, and love Fantastic. it. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have a great, great rest of your day, and I look forward to talking to you again. I hope you'll come and join us. Maybe we'll do a post-wrap, or we'll do maybe we'll do a podcast on bad ideas. That could be fun. That could I be love really that. fun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I'm going to leave it on that note because we're ending on a great idea. And that's to uh, learn more about what Shermeen is doing and to take on that mantle, um, take that role of, of being a leader. Thank you so much, Shermeen. Thank I look so forward for to. Me. You're welcome. Take care. All the best. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. Wow. Thank you to Shermeen for visiting us in uh, our Sipping on Stories lounge today. A lot of really, truly inspiring advice Her work is revolutionary, and we talked about this at the beginning. She ran from a revolution as an 11-year-old girl, and now she's trying to create a revolution of her own. And some of you that are listening may think, well, we've got enough upset and upheaval going on in the world. But when you take a look at what Shermeen shares with us today, it's a different kind of revolution. It's a revolution of the mind. It is asking people to be more transformative in the way that they themselves see the world. So to ask those questions, don't wait and listen to what it is that the news is feeding you or what politicians are feeding you. I'm not calling it out and saying they're all wrong or it's bad or telling you what channel to listen 
listen to, but I am asking you to look at your own DNA, to go inside and to look at people like Shermin that are trying to protect our fundamental human rights and to say that we shouldn't take our democracies for granted. There are enough countries in the world that are trying hard to work towards giving people access to, to protecting individual rights. We've got that here. You know, let's try marching perhaps in our minds and our ideas um, and looking at that more closely. What's the takeaway? Uh, I think Shermin is yelling from the mountaintop to to use a familiar saying about building change, that we can build a better country in this time of upheaval, um, but that it does start with you, that we are all called to be leaders. And I think that's super good advice. Um, we can be transformative. Um, I'd love to see how um, our audience feels about this. What are you doing in your own life? Do you know someone that is changing the world in some positive way? Um, you know, make it a point of doing something, identifying some way to give back. If it's within your own family, your circle of friends, your community, you have power. So, and that leads perfectly, of course, um, into our wrap and what we always try to tell you that um, you are empowered, that you can take charge, that you can change your life and you can affect the lives of others. Remember always to hit that subscribe button if you haven't done that. Give us a great rating today if you like what you heard. If you don't like what you heard, then hit me up on our woman's or on our Sipping on Stories site. I'd love to hear what you have to say and I'll listen to every piece of advice out there. So here's what I want you to do most of all today. Enjoy life. Live it well. Make every single sip count. God knows what we're going to find from day to day, but in the end, I can promise you that if you are open to new ideas, it's going to take you deeper inside yourself and help you to find your best life. Take care, everyone. I hope you stay healthy. Can't wait to see you next time. And that's a wrap.